All right, all right. Hey, y'all, I need your help. Help me say hello to those who are first-time guests, as well as all your church family who's watching online this morning. Come on, we're so glad you're here. And if you are watching online, uh, we were studying some of the metrics in our church this past week, and I honestly was a little surprised because as our in-person attendance has gone up, I expected our online attendance to go down. I thought, you know, there'd be an exchange there, right? People getting back to normal. It is not. So our in-person attendance has gone up, and our online attendance has stayed right where it's at. So there is a bunch of you out there. Uh, joining us online, and so we're thrilled that you're with us, church family, no matter, some of it's because it's summer and you're doing what I did, you're on vacation and traveling and you're still checking in on church, so thank you for, uh, for doing that. And if you're local and you haven't been in person yet, I just want to tell you it's a totally different experience uh, in person than online, and uh, we would love to meet you whenever you're ready, when you're comfortable to come uh, say hello in person, wouldn't we? Come on, we would love for that to happen, right? We'd love for you to be here. She should have been a little more enthusiastic, guys. Help me, help me sell that a little bit, a little bit better. Because some of you are like, I don't know. I mean, it depends on who you are. I don't know if I want to have you come and steal my seat. All right, so, uh, man, really excited to be back with you guys as we continue this summer at True Life Series. And uh, I'm going to use today to set up really the next month um, in our church. Uh, we've got some great stuff planned for you and a new series coming later in August and uh, I, I hate to say it because I, I know nobody wants to hear it, but uh, it's kind of crazy, right? We're, here we are at the end of July. We're, all, we're about to start having that back-to-school conversation. Uh, and I just always think the month of August is a great month uh, to just kind of think transitionally and spiritually, how do I get myself ready for the fall? And what does God want to do in the fall? And as our kids go back to school and, and all the different pieces that are and there's a lot of moving parts right now with where we're at as a, as a country, really where the world is at and the pandemic and all those different things. And so uh, I, I wanted to just draw your attention to a couple of things that are getting ready to happen here in the life of our church, and I hope that you'll participate with us. And one is our 21 days of prayer begins August 8th and runs to the 28th. We do this two times a year. We really try to turn our hearts towards our Heavenly Father and, and just kind of lean into His presence and pray. We do it in January when it's the beginning of the new year. It's kind of our way of dedicating the year to God. And then we always do it in August right before the, the back to school rush. Again, kind of as we, people get back into their routines and the normal flow of, of fall and summer travel settles down. I just think it's a great time for us to, to reset spiritually and focus on the right things. And, and as a church, the fall is always a time where we reach lost people and we see some numerical growth. And so I want to ask you to pray for lost people and families and and for your church, and we'll, we'll use this time to do that. Now, in January, we call it 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting, and we really encourage you to fast during the 21 Days of Prayer, but I can't bring myself to ask you to fast during barbecue season. Come on, y'all. All right, so January is prayer and fasting. August is prayer and feasting. Can I get an amen? amen. All right, so... Um, Y'all keep the smokers going and the grills going and, and enjoy. You can fast. I think fasting is, a, is an important part of our spiritual traditions and routines, our spiritual health, uh, but we don't put as much emphasis on that during the summer prayer. Uh, we will open up the church two times a week during that 21 days. Wednesday is at 7 p.m., Saturday is at 10 a.m. If you've not been a part of one of those prayer gatherings, I want to encourage you to come check it out and just spend time together corporately praying and leaning into God's presence. We're going to continue to build these and build momentum into these and make them better and have some live worship at, at some of them. And uh, so excited for that, that season of prayer. Help me, help me, y'all, by committing for this 21 days. Let's lean into the presence of God and see what he does through the end of 2021. I think he's got some great things in store for us as a church. Come on, say amen if you're with me. All right, uh, and then uh, we did something just a little over a month ago that we had never done before in the life of our church, and it really grew out of a heart to see people make a connection, especially coming out of the pandemic. We saw our numeric numbers going up, but the percentage of people who were taking a next step and becoming members in the church and getting involved and, and really becoming a part of the life of the church was pretty flat, and so we thought, what if people don't want a process? What if they actually want a connection and a relationship? And so we did an event called Meet the Leaders. It was fantastic. Uh, the food was fantastic. And, um, and just hearing the stories of people who'd found our church recently was wonderful. And so we're going to do it again. And so this is for those of you who've been coming to True Life 
and you're new. You just started coming in the last 12 months or less, and you really haven't made a connection yet. You're not a member yet. You're, you're not really sure. Maybe you're still kicking the tires, and you've got questions. I would encourage you to get your questions gathered ahead of time and join us for another Meet the Leaders, August 29th, 1.30 p.m. You will need to register ahead of time, and it will fill up. We keep it small on purpose so that we can actually make relational connections. It'll be myself, my wife, and all of our paid staff, and then those of you that register, and that's it. That's the only people that will be in the room, and we do that on purpose so that we can really make some strong connections and let you hear our story, our heart, and where the church is headed in the future, and and um, answer any questions that you have about how we do ministry. All right, so we'd love to have you at that. Make sure you sign up ahead of time uh, so that you can have a seat. All right, so um, my family and I have had the opportunity to do a little bit of traveling, and um, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about passion today and our passions. And one of the things that we've gotten passionate about is uh, just seeing our country and and road tripping and getting out and seeing. Uh, there, there's a lot of talk nowadays about whether or not our country is actually any good and I hate that we're having uh, so much conflict in our country right now, but I think one of the things that you could do to help you decide how you feel about where you live is go see it. Uh, Just get out and see it. It's really a beautiful place. And um, I've I've learned one of the best ways to experience it is through the windshield. And, um, and, And hearing my kids every time you see something new go, whoa, 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 it's, it's awesome. And a little over a year ago, we kind of took a risk and, and we bought a camper. And, um, and so, uh, now our kind of our vacation strategy is to hook that thing up to a truck and go see things together and experience things together as a family. And it's kind of weird for me, uh, but that even that whole process of hooking up to a truck and the chains and the wires and, and then driving on the highway and towing and keeping everybody safe and making sure everything works right, it's, it's oddly therapeutic for me. Uh, it's, I just find it so, rela- and then like every time you arrive at a new destination, and everything still works, it's like a little victory. It's like this every day is an adventure. Come on, y'all track it with me? And so we've really fallen in love with this idea of camping and being outdoors and experiencing things and seeing things. I thought I'd just show you a picture because uh, that's where we were. This is one of the campgrounds that we were at while we were traveling here and uh, our, our, our little camper there. And, and it's, really, it's really probably more glamping than camping. I talked to somebody this morning who's like a hardcore tent camper and I'm like, nah, I'm sleeping on the ground. Mm-mm. No, I got my own shower in there. You know, I'm just like, I, I, it's so it's probably a little bit more that than anything else. This was actually a Jellystone campground. Come on, y'all remember Yogi? Yogi Bear's Jellystone. Hey, boo-boo. Let's get a picnic basket. Yogi. You know, that whole, that's a, my son, Jellystones are awesome. They're uniquely designed to get parents to spend their entire life savings on everything that their children ask for while you're there. It's, it's like Disney in a campground. It's, it's really wonderful. Um, <clears throat> unless you're trying to save. And so that was, that was our, our setup there. My son's got this like life-size stuffed animal boo-boo now that, that we surprised him with. That he, he, he loves that thing and uh, had a lot of fun. I've really only found two negatives so far to the whole camping experience. I thought I'd just share this with you guys in case you want to know. Uh, so, so Amanda, my wife, she, she really handles the inside. So when it's time to travel or when it's time to set up at a new spot, she gets the inside ready. And then I do everything on the outside. And here's the only downside to that. On the outside is where the valve is to dump everything that collects while you live in the trailer. And I'll just let you figure that out. But you live in it. It has a bathroom in it. Y'all tracking. And I know some of you are thinking, I already shook his hand this morning. And I'm sorry. I promise I've washed it since then. That's one of the negatives. The only other negative I can think of, because... It's all four of us and two dogs who live in that when we're, when we're on the road. And it's, so it's small. It's, uh, the bathroom's a little small. The shower is extra small. I'm not. I'm six foot two and have not missed very many meals. Come on. Y'all tracking? It's small. And uh, I thought this would be kind of fun to share with you. It's kind of funny. And I promise there's nothing inappropriate here. Uh, but while we were on this trip, Amanda actually snuck into the bathroom while I was showering, and the curtains there and everything, so there's nothing inappropriate. She snapped a picture just because she thought it'd be funny to show people what it looks like when a six-foot-two guy my size tries to shower in a camper, so I just thought I'd share this. It's just an actual picture of me showering in the camper, and there it is. That's, uh, 
That's, that's me. <laughs> if you've not seen the movie, I'm just going to let you sit there and try to figure out what's going on here. Uh, this is uh, the movie Elf. All right, that's obviously not me. <clears throat> but that is kind of how it feels sometimes. <laughs> Can I just get some water pressure? Isaac knows. All right, so, uh, man, I'm really excited. Uh, I want to ask you a question. As we, as July kind of winds down, as we look forward, I I want you to wrestle with the tension in in this question this morning, all right? Where's your passion right now? Where's your passion? And um, I think I've lived long enough now to know it's real easy to misplace your passions. It's real easy to kind of inadvertently get passionate about some things that maybe they're not even bad things, they're not even sin things, they're just not God things. And, um, and technically, anytime something supersedes God in our hearts, anytime our passion for something else grows hotter than our passion for Jesus, well, that really is sin. The Bible calls it idolatry. God says, I, I gotta be first. And, and I just kinda wanna ask you this morning, where's, where's your passion for Jesus? How's your passion for Jesus doing? And I could spend the whole morning talking about all the distractions and all the things that we could get passion in our lives wrapped up in that maybe aren't the best things to, to, to get our hearts wrapped up in. I, I really don't wanna do that. What I wanna do is I wanna talk to you about the right things to be passionate about. I want to try to turn the fire up under some things that I think Jesus wants from his church. It's real easy. It's real easy. I'm passionate about the outdoors and camping. Maybe you're passionate about politics or a cause or I don't know. All I want to say to you this morning is be careful that nothing takes over as your core passion above Jesus. Come on. I'm just going to go preach on this side over here. Come on. Make sure nothing takes over as your core passion above Jesus. Right? It's just, just got to make sure that that doesn't happen. Well, what do we do? Because there's a lot of stuff in our culture. There's a lot of stuff in our society. There's a lot of stuff in our world that is competing for our passions. Come on. Can I get an amen? It's your finances, your money, your your business, maybe you're single and there's a special someone and you're feeling passionate, and that's all right, but it can't take over as the core passion. How's our passion doing? What are we doing when we realize, man, my passion level for Jesus is not burning as hot as I'd like it to be, or maybe as, as, as hot as he'd like it to be? What, what do we do with that? And there's a, a place in the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 12, where God says, even what? Now, come on, let's say it again, even now. So this is a great Sunday to handle it. God says, right now, declares the Lord, what do you do when your passions have become misaligned? He says, just return. Just come back. It's as simple as that. Return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. And it's not so much about the guilt as much as it is the realization, oh, what was I thinking? Why, why did I put so much time, energy, passion into stuff that won't last forever? That in the end, won't matter. When I could have given it to God. And the Lord says, if you do that, I will give you back what you lost. I wonder if anybody this morning is feeling like anything's lost in your life. Is there anything in your life that's just not what you imagined it would be? Or you even know that this isn't what God wanted. This isn't how he wanted this to turn out. And God says, look, all you got to do, get your passions realigned, and he's got a plan to give back everything that was lost. How many think that's a good promise? That's a good promise. I want you to, I want you to notice the passion, the passion, even in Jesus' voice, when he says, I will. Come on, everybody say, I will. I will. He doesn't say, I'm thinking about, I'm contemplating. I was wondering, 
I'm testing out some theories. No, he says, and he's talking about you and I here, I will build my church. Come on, aren't you thankful Jesus is committed to building you? And the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, will not. Predetermined, not up for debate. Jesus says, hey, I'm gonna do this, and the enemy loses. They will not overcome it. I love what Bree said last week. Y'all heard some great teaching over the last several weeks, didn't you? You got to hear from Pastor Sam, one of our overseers. You got to hear from my best friend, Mark Bolin. You got to hear from his wife, Pastor Monica. You got to hear from future Pastor Whitney. That's right, we're working on that. She's gonna get the REV soon uh, in front of her name. And uh, you, you got to hear from, I call her future Bishop Bree Russ. Come on, that was straight fire last weekend, wasn't it? I love, I love using this platform to give developing communicators and leaders a place to grow in their gift. I've watched some, back some of my old messages and thought, what were you thinking? Why did you say that? That is not even in the Bible, Michael. <laughs> so come on, I, I, we got to give people a place to grow. Can I hear an amen? And um, love that. Love that he says, I will build my church. And Bree, I love this. She said, we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory. Because Jesus already won. We already have victory, so we fight from a place of victory. And I, so I've just kind of been thinking, what would it look like if all of us got passionate about the right stuff at the same time? I mean, I get like even some chills when I think about that. What would it look like if you're a church, Jesus? What if we all got passionate about the right stuff at the same time? What, what does a passionate church look like? I wrote this down this week. I, I'd, love to, I'd love to pastor a place, lead a place, where the people have found a relationship with God instead of a religion. Like, I know him, and this isn't about me checking off a list of rules to follow. He's changing my life. My choices change, but my choices change because of the relationship. Come on, y'all tracking with me this morning. And where living for God is no longer a duty. Come on, because how many know every time you do something out of duty, it feels like duty? but out of delight. Amen. Oh, so like when I follow Jesus, everything's supposed to be fields of daisies and roses and we all prance around like unicorns and everything's all crazy. No, 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 that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying, even in the seasons of my life that are challenging, even in the seasons of my life that are painful, I look forward to how God is gonna resolve it. I'm delighted. Even when I don't like what's going on around me, I'm delighted that even if I don't see it in this life, I am guaranteed eternity that I have a hope that I can look forward to. That behind the scenes where I can't see it, God is working out stuff on my behalf. I love that. It's a delight to serve Jesus. It's not always delightful, but it's a delight to serve Jesus. You're tracking with me so far this morning. What would it look like if we all got passionate about the right stuff at the same time? And when you don't, you can kind of fall into this pattern of religion. You try to say all the right things, do all the right things in the hopes that God will stay happy with you. Jesus even talked about this in Matthew 15. He said, hey, there's some people who honor me with their lips, like they say all the churchy stuff, but their hearts. I don't have their hearts. I don't know them. They're far from me. They worship me in vain, and their teachings are merely human rules. That sounds terrible. I don't want to live like that. Do you want to live like that? No, I want Jesus to have my heart. I want my passions to be aligned correctly. Paul encourages us, never be, come on, everybody say never. Never, never be lacking in zeal. What is zeal? It's, it's passion. But keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Paul says you've got to You've got to keep your core passions aligned. You've got to make sure the fire is turned up under the right things. Doesn't mean that's the only fire that burns in your heart, but it's got to be the biggest fire. And so I wanted to just kind of turn the heat up under four areas of our life today. What would it look like for us to be passionate about the right things at the same time? What would it look like for us to be passionate about his church and making sure that his church is an accurate representation of who he is? Jesus is passionate about this. In the temple area, there's this story in John chapter two, and Jesus and his disciples show up at the temple. 
You've got to see this from Jesus' perspective. This is dad's house. It's dad's house. And he shows up at the temple, and they've basically turned the temple into a, a flea market. And, um, and they've attached religion to it. It's, it's kind of like the people that I hope none of you are falling prey to who say, buy this, call 1-800, blah, 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 buy this special thing, give me $100, and God will bless you. Y'all, that is bogus. God blesses you because he loves you. Period. I thought I'd get more amens. Or some of you are dry like thinking, can I dispute that charge? We would, ne- we would never, do- we do sell some resources because we want to help you, and if you can't afford them, you can have them. We don't make a dime on them. But we would we'd never do that to you. So I don't want to talk about that, but that's the, that's the environment Jesus walks into is manipulation and greed in the name of religion. And they, in the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. So that's exactly what they're doing. Welcome to the temple. Would you like God to forgive you your sins? It'll cost $45. That's exactly what's happening. And he gets mad. He saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus, <laughs> love this, because we all think of Jesus as like, he just love, he just love all the time. Just Jesus, just love everybody. No, Jesus makes a whip. Yeah. Jesus is like, I got some love for you. I'm about to take this love to your tail. You know what I'm saying? That's like Jesus is like, I'm about to show you some love. He does. He makes a whip from some ropes and chased them all out of the temple. Love that. He drove out the sheep and the cattle, scattered the money changers' coins over the floor, and turned over their tables. Translations, y'all, Jesus is ticked off. I love that. Because I, I, I like to know that the God, we, he has emotions too. He has feelings too, just like you. And when he sees, this is not what my father's house was meant for, it enraged him. Love that about Jesus. Glad I wasn't there to get whipped. Love that he was passionate about it. Then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. He's passionate about the Father's house. He's passionate about the Father's house. We should be too, by the way. We should be too. And, and there's a lot of stuff you can find out there that would try to tell you that the corporate church doesn't matter anymore, that it really never mattered. And, and I, I would just tell you that's really not true. If you study Bible history, you'll see two things taking place, and it's why we do corporate worship on the weekend and we do small groups. They had corporate worship in the temple, and they had house-to-house ministry. It's not one or the other, it's both. It's both. Come on, say amen if you're with me. So you can't just pull out scripture based on your own preferences and throw the rest away. You gotta take the full weight of the scripture and apply it to your life. Come on, y'all. So it's, so it's both. Then going, so he, he, he gets them all out of there. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures Passion, everybody say passion. Passion for God's house will consume me. So they remember, oh, there's this prophecy about the Messiah. He's going to care a lot about God's house. And I think one of the things that will happen as we get our passions, our core passions aligned, is we'll get, we'll get more passionate about our marriages. We'll get more passionate about our first church, which is our home. Come on, say amen. amen. Right. We'll get more passionate about our calling. And we'll get passionate about God's house and making sure that it's an accurate representation of who Jesus is. And so I I would just like to turn the heat up in four areas. Write them down if you're following along in your notes this morning. Here's the first one. If we're going to be passionate people, if we're passionate for the right things, then I think we need to have a passion for prayer, a passion for prayer. And I've been doing this a long time now, and I almost hate every time I have to say something like this because I know based on your religious upbringing and your church experiences, that word means a whole lot of different things to a whole lot of different people. And for a lot of us, it's super intimidating. Um, So for some of you, the word prayer means I've got to go through a ritualistic exercise that I find boring and irrelevant to my life so that God will be happy with me. And I want to tell you that's not prayer. 
For others, maybe you grew up in like a Pentecostal or a charismatic environment or even had a family member who was passionate, super passionate about prayer. You read that and you immediately feel guilt and shame because you're like, I can't pray for an hour. I'm not that person. I can't do that. I'm not going to have this huge emotional experience every time I pray. And can I tell you, that's not what prayer is either. It can have that, but that's not the measure of what prayer is. You want to know what prayer is? It's communing with God. What is commune? It's the same root word we have for community. It's getting to know each other. It's, watch this, this is deep. Prayer is you talking to God and God talking back. That's it. And I want to encourage you to take all of the garbage and all the preconceived ideas you might have about prayer and just flush them away. Throw them in the garbage and start fresh if you need to. What does it look like for me to carve out space in my life to talk to God and to zip it and listen. That's prayer. That's prayer. In fact, this was so important that Jesus said, it's written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer. Like if there's anything the church should be known for, it should be people who commune with God. We talk and we listen. We talk and we listen. In fact, we will use some of these times we get together during 21 days of prayer to even teach you. We'll take you through a prayer, give you a model that you can, not for religious reasons, but just to give you a starting place. How, how do I do that? How do I get this conversation with God going? And I know that sounds a little weird. He'll, he'll talk back to me. Won't people think I'm crazy? Listen, they already think you're crazy if you go to church here, so don't worry about it doesn't matter. He says, you're, you're, you're making it a den of robbers. Jesus, is, he's passionate about this. I love this, James 5.16, the effectual, fervent prayer. Fervent just means passionate prayer of a righteous man avails. That word avails, mean, avails means it, it has a good return on it. It has value. It has worth much. Here's, here's the Michael Smith translation. Passionate prayer is super valuable. God pays attention to it. Which is why I'm going to spend the least amount of time on this first one, Passion for Prayer, because I'm going to give it a whole night, first Wednesday, August 4th. I'm going to talk to you about spiritual warfare and prayer for about 40 minutes. So bring a little extra cushion for your seat if you need it. But we're going to go, we're going to dig into this. We're going to go deep. If you've been coming to First Wednesdays, you know there are these three angels in the Bible that have areas that they're responsible for. They're the only ones that we know their responsibility, so they must have mattered. We're not talking about the angels, but we're talking about those areas of responsibility, and we're going to look at that one uh, prayer, spiritual warfare, August 4th at 7 p.m., so come to that. Here's the deal. Here's where we got to get. we got to get to the place where we make prayer our first response, not our last resort. What we, let's be honest, what we tend to do is try to fix it all ourselves first, and then when that doesn't work, we're like, God, help! And he will, because he's good and he's gracious. But wouldn't you rather skip all the pain and just have him involved from the beginning? I would. I'd rather just have him there from the very beginning. And this is a habit you can build, to stop, center yourself, let your emotions settle and then say, God, hey, how, do, how, do, how would you like me to react to this? What's the decision you think I should make? And involve him in every area of your life. Passion for prayer. Here's the second one. Uh, I think we need to have a passion for praise and worship. Come on, worship team. Can I hear an amen? Oh, they probably aren't in here. They listened in the first service. They can shout amen from the green room back there. Come on, Pastor Perry. You, you pastored a church for years. It's, Come on, it's better when the church is passionate about praise and worship, isn't it? You've got to have a passion for praise and worship. And, and I, I know that, it's an, again, it's, it can mean so many things to different people. Some of you are like, I am passionate about it. That's why I came to this church. I like the music. Nope. Praise and worship is not you spectating somebody else doing it. Praise and worship is you doing it. And you saying, hey, God, you're good. 
you're worthy of praise. Well, I don't, I know what, I've had so many conversations with people through the years who are like, how do I do that? Because I don't like everything I see around me. How do I tell God he's worthy of praise when I don't even like all the circumstances that I see in the world around me? And, and here's the deal. Praise and worship is not dependent on your interpretation of the current circumstances. It's dependent on the truth that he's God and he gets praise and worship because he's God, period. It's, it, it, it's just, so you gotta just settle it like he's God. Either he is or he isn't. And if he is, He's worthy of praise and worship. And that's why in Mark 12, 30, he says, love the Lord your God with what? All, all your heart and with all, all your, yeah, yeah, that's when I do that, I want you to say it. All right, with, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your, in other words, like I gotta give him all of me. All of me. The psalmist David understood this. He, he, he would say stuff like, praise the Lord, O oh my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. And if you study David, he didn't always write stuff like this when everything was going great. He wasn't always like, yay God, you're the winner, we have victory, woo, everything's wonderful. No, oftentimes you see some of his best praise and worship in the moments where his life stinks. And he's preaching to himself and he's saying, I cannot let my circumstances determine how I'm gonna interact with my God. So I, that's why he's saying to himself sometimes, praise the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. I, like, I am going to praise. I'm mad, the world stinks, I don't like everything that's going on around me, but, but God is still awesome. And so I choose to give God praise and worship. I choose to honor him and glorify him. In fact, when it was because things were going so well, like after they'd won a huge victory and the Ark of the Covenant's coming back into town, all these kinds of things, David, he got crazy, y'all. David was straight up, he went, he went charismatic on us. Anybody ever seen it, been in a charismatic church service? You know what I'm saying? You know, you got the streamers and the banners and the interpretive dancers, and I'm not dogging on any of that. I, we're not going to do it here. I'm not talking on any of that. But, but if you've experienced that, da that was David. He went full charismatic in this moment. He's, he's dancing before the Lord. And the Bible says he dances so hard, celebrating God's goodness, that his robe and his tunic begin to fall off. How many think that's an awkward Sunday at church? You know, you're like, oh, look at them. They are really, they've got the joy of the, oh my, that's, that's more than the joy of the Lord. I didn't need to, come on, you know what I'm saying? That's David. That's David. And it says, when he returned home to bless his household, so he's coming home to his family and he's like, come on guys, God's been good. Now I'm gonna bless, I'm gonna bring the blessings home. Michael, who's one of his wives, daughter of Saul, that's important because Saul had been king of Israel and got replaced by who? David. David. And I love David. David handles the situation in a way that I appreciate here. She's, she's mad. She's embarrassed by David's behavior. She comes out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel distinguished himself today. That's sarcasm in case you couldn't pick it up. Disrobing in the sight of the slave girls of his servants, uh, disrobing in the sight of the slave girls as and his servants, we got a typo there, I'm not sure, as any vulgar fellow would. So she chastises him for praising God because his robe fell off. And he says to her, hey, I just need to be clear, Michael, I wasn't dancing for you. And I don't really care how you feel about it. It was before who? The Lord. Who... By the way, sweetheart, chose me rather than your daddy. Oh my goodness. You want to think, I mean, or anyone from, not, he chose me above your daddy and all your relatives when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel, I will Celebrate. Come on, somebody, you need to make that your attitude today. I will celebrate it. 
The, the world might mock you. People might make fun of you. People might not understand you. People might think you're crazy. I will celebrate. Come on, let's say it together. I will celebrate before the Lord. He says, I'll become even more undignified than this. I don't even know how you do that. David literally danced till he was naked. I don't know how you get more undignified, but David said he would. So I just want to give you permission. When we worship here, church, you can get as undignified as you want to. There is one, a couple caveats. We don't wear robes and tunics anymore, so you, there's really no excuse for this to happen to you. So you do need to keep your clothes on, all right, when you're at church. That's, that's one of my rules. The only other rule is if you feel like a need to play an instrument or a tambourine, you need to audition first. Okay, all right. You don't just bring your own instrument to church and tune up your own band, okay? We have a security team now. We will tase you. All right, I'm, I'm serious. They're out there, undercover. Don't do it. All right, so. I do wonder, though, what would it look like if we would stop trying to keep our dignity when we're in the presence of God? I mean, really, who cares what anyone thinks of you except what Jesus thinks of you? Who cares? All this is going to burn up anyway. It's all going to be gone anyway. Your status, everything you've, your reputation, everything that you've tried to build for yourself, one day, it's all going to be tested with fire. That's what the Bible says. I'd rather, I'd rather just go ahead and get undignified and give Jesus the praise he deserves. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Why is it a sacrifice? Because you're not going to always want to do it. That's why it's a sacrifice. Some days you're going to come into church, and we're going to be like, Come on, let's put our hands together. And you're going to be like, I don't want to put my hands together. Do it anyway, because Jesus deserves it. Lift your hands and worship. I don't want to do that. That's weird. Do it anyway, because the Bible says we lift up holy hands in the sanctuary. Do, just do it. All right. We're going to be people who openly profess his name. In a, in a world and a society where increasingly it's not that popular to openly profess his name, I want to encourage you openly profess his name. Come on, can I hear an amen? Listen, we give God what he deserves, not what we feel. All right, here's the third one. Uh, and this is super not popular in society now. But the thing is, darn it, as much as I try, I can't rewrite the Bible. Um, we need to turn up the heat on our passion for purity. What is purity? Well, depending on what, again, depending on how you grew up, this, the way I grew up in church, the word purity immediately makes you think of everything sexual. That's not what purity is. Purity is simply this. God has laid out the ideal life for me to live in his word. He has clearly defined for me what is sin and what is not. And I'm pure when I avoid sin, and I'm impure when I don't. Period. And then when I do sin, guess what? God doesn't throw you away. That's what the blood of Jesus did for us on the cross. He just brings us right back in and you get another shot. You get a redo. Come on, aren't you thankful for that? I've had so many redos in my life. I'm, doing, I'm working on some redos right now. But we've got to be passionate about doing life God's way. Even if nobody else is. Even if it's not popular, to be passionate about doing life God's way. Can I tell you one of the consistent themes you'll find if you study through Scripture? Every time there's a great move of God, every time there's great revival, it is always preceded by somebody standing up and saying to the people, hey, let's get pure again. Let's do life God's way again. Let's stop making excuses. Let's stop trying to make ourselves comfortable. Let's stop sinning. Let's get pure again. I know y'all want to amen that. <laughs> and I want to encourage you this morning, true life, let's get 
pure again. Let me give you a couple examples of God gets ready to move. Numbers chapter 25, verse 11. Phineas, son of Eleazar and best friend of Ferb, the son of Aaron. The priest, as some of you are like, what? Has turned my anger away from the Israelites. Why? He was zealous for my honor. What did that mean? He was saying, hey, we're going to honor God by living life the way God wants us to live it. We're going to get back to God's plan, back to God's laws. He was as zealous for my honor among them as I am. Here's another one, 2 Kings chapter 10, verse 16. Jehu said, come with me and see my zeal. For like I'm passionate about figuring out how to live this life the way God wants me to. I'm not passionate about resolving all of the conflicts between my emotions and what the word says. I am passionate about beating, Paul says I have to beat my body into submission. Like there's some stuff this flesh wants to do that I'd love to logic and reason away and just do what my flesh wants to do, but I can't. Come on y'all, I can't. I gotta, I gotta, I'm zealous to do it God's way. And it, listen, I'd rather sometimes not. It'd be a whole lot easier to just do what everybody else is doing. Can I hear an amen? It'd be a whole lot easier to just go with the crowd, go with the flow. But then you, you can't stand out like that, can you? So I'm just saying, hey, true life, let's be passionate about purity. Let's make sure that we're a voice not an echo. It's easy to sound like everybody else. It's not always easy to commit to following God's word. Jesus, there's an aspect of Christianity we don't spend enough time on. And we spend so much time trying to reconcile our own preferences and our own feelings with what God asks us to do. But here's my question for you. If everything is going to be okay with your feelings, why did Jesus say you're going to have to take up a cross? Jesus said, if anybody wants to follow me, take up your, what? Cross. What is a cross? To the people he said it to, it's the most horrific, torturous way that a person could have their life end. Jesus says, you're going to have to pick one up you're going to have to come follow me because there's parts of you that are going to have to die to be able to honor God with the life that you live. It's tough, but it's real. Amen, Pastor Brown. So I just, I've just decided, y'all, I'm going to stand before Jesus one day and doggone it. I'm going to say, Jesus, I did everything I could to give them the whole word, the whole Bible, everything that you had to say, popular or not. And I hope he gives me the thumbs up. Because I'm going to tell you, we're not going to stand in front of God one day, and he's not going to say, so, so Michael, did you pat them all on the bottom and make them feel like everything was going to be okay? He's not going to do that. I'm going to be accountable. Let's be a voice, not an echo. Say amen if you're with me. All right, here's the last one. And y'all did this so well. You always do this so well. Serve day, Christmas shop. But we've got to make sure we stay passionate about people. Because Jesus is passionate about people. Right? The most well-known scripture in all of your Bible. For God so loved a few... For God so loved Republicans. For God so loved Democrats. For God so loved the people that shared the most social justice memes on Facebook. For God so loved the people who look like you and agree with you. Nope. Come on, y'all. For God so loved who? The world. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that includes me. 
that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal, I get eternal life. And I want as many people as possible to get eternal life with me. That's why Paul said, my life is worth nothing unless. It's a good unless. I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling who? Others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Passion for prayer. Passion for prayer. Passion for praise and worship. Passion for purity. Passion for people. Because one thing you'll find if you read your Bible is a life not lived for others is really not a life. It's not. You can isolate, keep to yourself, and make your whole life about yourself, and you will be miserable. If you want to find fulfillment, you make your life about somebody else. What would it look like for us to be passionate about the right things? Prayer, praise, purity, people. Let's make sure we don't end up like one of those seven churches in the book of Revelation when Jesus said, hey, you guys are getting some things right, but there's this one thing I'm worried about with you. you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Remember when Jesus was new? Remember when it was the first? Remember the seasons in your life where he made it new again? Maybe today you haven't experienced that yet. Maybe you're sitting here going, hey, Maybe you're watching online or sitting in the room going, what is it that these people have that I don't have? I'll give you a chance to figure that out in just a second, and it's going to be new. You'll you'll fall in love with Jesus. You, You lost the love that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Okay, Jesus, you're right. I I, I let some other passions get in the way. I've become a little distracted. What do I do? He says, repent. Get back to the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I'll come to you and remove your lampstand. For these seven churches in the book of Revelation, what these lampstands represent is really is their voice, their influence. Hey, True Life, I want to make sure our lamp doesn't ever get put out. Come on, can I hear an amen? We got to stay in love with Jesus. We got to keep our passion in the right place. I, I want our light to get brighter. I want our influence to grow. I want to reach more people. I want to see more lives changed. I want to see more families put back together. I want to see more addictions broken off. I want to see more miracles take place. I want to see more healings happen. I want to see more people find freedom from their past. Come on, are you with me this morning? Let's make sure the light gets brighter. Let's stay passionate for the right things. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're in the room today and maybe you're even a little caught off guard, a little struck by the passion that you see other people have because... You're missing that from your life. There, there is no relationship with Jesus. I really can't think of a better time than right now for that to change. And all you need to do is just begin with where we began today, a passion for prayer. You, you say your first prayer, just talk to him. Say, hey, hey, Jesus, if you're out there, if you're real, I need you. I need a relationship with you. I want to surrender my life to you. Please forgive me for all the time I've spent living life without you. And and from this day on, my life is yours. I'm going to choose in faith to believe that you died for me and that you're not dead anymore, that you rose again. And from this day on, you're the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer right now for the very first time, you're saved. You just converted to Christianity. Congratulations. Make sure you listen closely as we wrap up the service. I'm going to give you a a way to communicate that back to us so that we can help you come alongside you. I I want everybody else, heads bowed, eyes closed. I, I want you just to wrestle with that question again. Where's my passion? Where's my passion? How's your passion for prayer? How's your passion for praise and worship? How's your passion for purity? How are you feeling about people? Do you have God's heart towards people? 
And let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, you know the answer to those questions for each and every one of us. There are no secrets with you. So I, I pray for those of us who maybe we just fell out of the habit of talking to you, God, that we would make it a priority again. Maybe we've never even tried it. God, that we would commit to carving out space in our life to commune with you, to talk with you. Lord, I, I pray that each and every person in this room would take their next step in praise and worship. What does it look like to, to not be ashamed, to not let our feelings drive our choice to celebrate your goodness. Lord, I pray that we would have a fresh commitment to your word and to purity and to living life your way. And God, I, I pray that our passion for people would never grow cold. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And God, that's our heart. We want to serve. We want to love people on your behalf. Be your hands and feet. Heat up those passions in your church today, I pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And if you receive that, would you say amen this morning? Amen, amen. Stand to your feet all across the room as we close. I do want to remind you of those connection cards that are on the seat pocket. They're in the seat pockets in front of you or laying on the seat if you're on one of our front rows. You can use those to communicate with us, your prayer needs, your feedback, your concerns, your questions. If you need to talk with somebody or you need pastoral counseling, or if you made a decision today to follow Jesus or to recommit your life to Jesus, please, please, please let us know that you did that so we can resource you, come alongside you, and help you take your next steps in your walk with Jesus, all right? So here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to practice our passion now. We're going to sing one last time. Let's, let's practice what what we preached or what I preached, all right? Let's, let's, let's practice it this morning. Come on, let's give Jesus the very best praise that we possibly can. Let's sing to him one last time the very best we can. Love you guys.